0: You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young.
1: Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan. And we are here with a good friend, Rachel Martin from Mindful and Good. Now, branding and design are important elements in getting your message across uh, for any type of business that you own. But are you doing that in a sustainable way? Are you doing it in a way that helps the environment? Or are you even thinking about that? Our guest today on the Bramblers podcast can perform the soup to nuts of your branding, packaging, and print in a socially conscious way. And after all, you know, why not leave the world a little bit better than you found it? Specifically, if your brand's gonna be all on it, Rachel Martin is the founder and design director at Mindful and Good, which is a sustainable design uh, that ignites positive change, she started this business over twenty years ago, and so she she was thinking about this before anybody was thinking about it to be honest and it's really exciting to see not only the journey of mindful and good but what she's been able to do, how she's impacted people's lives, and also how she can kind of change the perception uh, of what it means to be sustainable, what it means to do the right thing for the environment and i've had the opportunity to interact with her. And and she's one of the few people that we've been able to work with when she gives me ideas or gives me projects. I'm literally being educated while also getting to do business with her. And I can't think of a better partner. So thank you, Rachel, so much for joining us on this episode of the Brand Butters podcast.
2: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Rachel. Wow,
0: another another good introduction, Brian. That was uh, that was awesome. And we're excited to learn more here. I uh, so we understand obviously what sustainable means, but what is the whole package when we're talking about sustainable design?
2: Well, the whole package is, so as designers, you know, we're the ones that are actually, you know, doing the creative and creating this work. And years ago, when I kind of started my career, I questioned of all the stuff that we're creating and putting out into the world. So from packaging to flyers to all these communication elements across all mediums, you're creating a lot of um, communication elements that possibly create waste and then end up in a landfill. So how can we create these materials that is getting your business message across that's not harming the environment as we're doing it? So creating, you know, more recyclable material um, when you're creating that packaging, same with print, um, something that is possibly biodegradable that will break down into the earth versus something that um, can be recycled or something that would just go, you know, end up possibly, you know, plastics in the ocean, which obviously everybody knows that's a big problem right now. So sustainable design are creating materials that um, don't harm the earth and, and possibly can be biodegradable um or reused or recycled as much as possible by people, but yet communicate business messages as needed.
1: So I mentioned that you had started uh, Mindful and Good back in January of 2000. And at that point, I was 16 years old. The internet was just coming out. There was no such (laughs) thing as social media. And the reality of it was is recycling bins maybe were at your house, but then your neighbor might not even recycle at all. And it was just kind of like the beginning of the educational part of of what it means to be sustainable and really like what those options are. So I just want to know. When you started this business back in 2000, what was your, your, your level not only of awareness, but saying like, I need to create this business to make change. And now 21 years later, you know, not only is it a topic that brands are really considering, but it's a topic that makes them stand out. And it's a topic that is a conversation where they're willing to spend more, uh, by basically creating less from a waste standpoint.
2: Right. So the past 10 years, I think it's been more well-known with sustainable design um, and being more aware with everything going on in the world and climate change. When I started this, you know, I just was a freelance business um, and I did work for a different, a few different companies. One was a large ad agency and we were trying to market a product and sell more of a product that people didn't need. And between the packaging coming in a clamshell and selling more of these products that were just it was basically like throw out your old old one, buy this new one. And we were trying to design packaging and messaging around that. And, you know, I questioned that as I was in this, you know, freelance part of my my business. And I really thought there was a better solution of why are we trying to sell more stuff to people that don't need more stuff. So it was more about this mindful approach. And could there be better, you know, everyday products that are made better, even the industrial design side of those material elements. And then also the packaging and brand consumer awareness side. So I think, you know, a company like Patagonia does it really well. Um, They're kind of a leader in sustainable branding and sustainable design, where they're not about selling more stuff. They want to sell long, you know, Long use items that people use for a long time or they repair and reuse. So kind of getting, um, learning about that at the beginning of my career and just finding better solutions for these problems that we, we need items obviously in the world to operate in our daily lives. And how do we create those items that are better, that are better for people and better for the earth and aren't causing a problem? So. We've just always been learning and growing and we're not, we say we're experts, but we're still always learning and growing through different elements of materials. Um, lately, you know, the past few years, materials have become more available, um, which is great because consumers are demanding it. And then cost goes down for those because I think sustainability and, and, and recyclable products were very expensive. You know many years ago so it wasn't you know it just wasn't affordable so the beginning of my career it was very very hard um it's become a little bit easier because materials are more readily accessible and then there's new innovative materials um coming out every day from you know mushroom and fungi packaging to uses of algae and bioplastics um those were very niche niche um and and very hard to come by you know in the early 2000s and now they're becoming more day to day and when you have bigger actually really large brands and bigger corporations leading the way um, driving you know the bioplastics. when you have big soda companies starting to really think about their their plastic bottles that they're putting their their beverages in when they're starting to lead the way and and using better materials that kind of paves the way i think for the rest of businesses and brands to do so as well And then also just consumers are demanding it more. They want to invest and buy products in companies that align with their own values, um, for the future generations as well. Um, so I think they are also putting up that demand for, for businesses. That they make purchases from that the the materials are better sourced, more sustainable, as well as operations too. So when I say sustainability and materials it also comes down to sustainability and people so making sure you know where where companies are sourcing from that they have a reliable workforce that is you know fairly compensated fair wage um workable conditions where they're creating these products and companies kind of need to know that whole supply chain from the package that it's going in but also the people um and that human capital that's also creating those products for them and make sure that they are also well taken care of.
1: I mean, yeah, that's like a lot to digest. But at the same time, you know, I, I want to ask you this question because it's, to me, I feel like the education part is, is the most important, right? And so now that we've gotten to an area that maybe it is affordable, and that larger organizations are realizing that people are demanding that, not only people that are the consumers, but the people that are actually working for them, that the, the new, you know, kids that are coming out of college, that are coming out of high school, that are coming to work for you, they want more than just a, a paycheck and a 401k, right? They want to know, are we helping right. the world? Are we are we doing what we can do to make that step? I remember I went over to my friend's house, and this was not that long ago, and I'm not going to mention who it is, but I asked, like, hey, where's your recycling bin? And he was like, I don't have one. And like it blew my mind, right? Ten years ago? It would have never blown my mind. I would have thrown that bottle right into the trash can. Yeah. But I was like, well, we're going to put a little stack right here and today we're going to start recycling, right? It was just crazy to me to yeah. think that somebody in this day and age has that type of mindset, but it's people like you that can educate those brands. And I think it, that, that's what's going to change the world. Not just everybody needs to be recycling, which is important, but getting big brands like the Coca-Colas of the world to realize the amount of waste that they've produced, how do we change that? And so that's really fascinating that you've been able to do that. So I want to talk about this. So right now, if you're a brand and and you're trying to look for ways to eliminate waste, to support you know the environment, um, I know there's, this is going to be kind of a broad question, but what are the steps? What do these brands need to be thinking about and is this something that you can walk, you know, kind of walk them through a checklist and, and really dive into the brand to see some of those, those areas of waste? And, and I guess just give us some insight into some things that these companies can start to think about and obviously call you if they want to do that as well. But I'm curious to see kind of what those steps look like and, and how we can make a difference.
2: Um, I think probably my whole thing is designing backwards. So kind of thinking the end of life. So if you're creating a product, Um, ultimately what's the end of that so figuring out is it going to end up in the earth is it going to be end up in a recycling stream Um, and thinking about recycling differently too is so the end of the life of this product can it be broken apart to the different parts being recycled and then can all those parts be recycled worldwide if we're a worldwide company and there's a lot of different issues with recyclability and municipalities. Um, right now, you know, we're having that here locally where there's only certain plastics that can be recycled. So consumers in general have to be more aware that they can't just purchase products thinking it can be recycled. Um, and then just kind of like, well, it's going to either, you know, just throw away, get out of my house or be recycled and it's fine. It's into that, you know, it's, it's, it's being taken care of and they kind of just forget about it. Um, They kind of need to really reconsider everything they're consuming um and using, but businesses as well. So thinking, all right, at the end life of this product, what's going to happen to it and then start kind of designing backwards of, okay, so the end, we ultimately want it to be biodegradable into the earth. What are those materials we need to use to put our beverage in? Um, whether it's glass or plastic now, what about supply chain? Let's, how is that going to be delivered? You know, the weight of plastic versus glass versus cardboard paperboard. Um, what are those, you know, what are those costs associated as well? So, you know, pet, a stand up pouch versus a cardboard box versus a glass versus a plastic. So those are like your four things to do a liquid product in. So going backwards from that, okay, how are we going to source these materials? Uh, you know, the, the shipping aspect, getting to the store, getting the consumer, getting to uh, eventually the waste stream, let's work back again. So how are we going to get the materials to make these products, to then put them in the shipping, to then get to the store, get to the people? So just kind of going through that process of supply chain, and it also comes down, obviously, sustainability, but you also, in the bottom line too, of what works for your business. And sometimes... You know, right now, maybe there is a plastic recycling stream that is very useful for them if they're doing a different target area of the U.S. that has that. Or maybe they're going to go compostable because they are located in the northwest corner of the U.S. that has, you know, municipalities compostable. Industrial composting is readily available for people. Makes sense there. Composting, industrial composting for a product doesn't make sense across the world but it makes sense in places that have that. So companies going through this chain, this process, and then getting you know, to the actually creating the product and creating the packaging for it that's gonna hold it. And that's kind of where we go from with businesses of kind of just going through their streams from where it's gonna end up, whether it's going to be recyclable or it's going to be compostable, biodegradable, and then working their way back and designing this great thing for consumers to buy also, you know, thinking of the values of their company, you know, why are we why are we creating this product? Is it going to be the betterment of society and for humans, um, for people? What is it doing? Is there a portion of it? All right, maybe it brings joy, but is there a portion of this company and this product that we could give back as well? Um, if we're making this off this and our supply chain is great and it's going to be biodegradable or recyclable, all right. What is this, you know, profit that we can keep running the business, pay our people well that are making this, but also going back into, all right, we have some left over. How much do we really need? Can we possibly start funding other entities in the world that we do have this extra capital? Um, whether it's going in a nonprofit approach or developing their own foundations or the one for one model is very popular from Tom's that have done something in the stream and then develop you know helping developing worlds or socioeconomically challenged areas of the world um giving back that work um to get people you know to be able to contribute and also you know help fund folks to be able to contribute to society and be part of that um part of where where they live so that's kind of the process and it's not it's very kind of manufacturing warehousing and thinking of that supply chain, and then it comes back to a great, pro- you know, they're like, I just want to create a great beverage, you know, or a great product, but it all kind of comes in these, you know, cycles, um, and and what, what they're going to be, you know, downstream, um, to kind of think backwards, and when they're creating that original design and brand, and then obviously, the brand and design make it look good, make it fundamentally beautiful, as well as have that good component and good messaging that really um, gets their kind of the conscious consumer aware and want to buy it.
1: I love that. Is that- yeah, no, that's, that's perfect. And it, it actually leads me to my next question. So um, you, if you go on to mindfulandgood.com, everybody go check it out and go look at her portfolios. They are gorgeous. Uh, what she has done for some brands is truly unbelievable uh, until you click it. And I've gone through a couple of these in the past, but what I think about, you and this brand is each time you get to work with a client you're teaching them it's education and you're showing them ways and different ways to think throughout that entire process where at the beginning of the conversation it might be bottom line we're price driven this is what it needs to be i have to be under this price point well you know what i mean that's not going to work if you want to be sustainable but you get to educate them through that and i would just love to pick your brain and maybe just put you on the spot is there a a specific story or a company that you've worked with that maybe at the beginning you didn't have everybody on board, right? Maybe everybody was still thinking, I don't know, the the balance sheet's not going to work out here. How are we going to make money? And then down the road, they came back to you and said, wow, you know, Rachel, this is the best thing that we've done. Not only have we been able to make a, a better company, but we're now helping the environment. We're helping our employees. We're helping, you know, so many more people. And I just based on your portfolio, I feel like that's the conversation that happens a lot. So tell me a little bit about that.
2: It is. It is. And it's still an ongoing process and a growth process. So a lot of the, The larger brands or Fortune 500 companies we work with, um, we do ask a lot of questions and they are the the great resources that are able to implement a lot of bigger scale elements and um, just kind of going through that process with them also, you know, turns it a little bit, the dial a little bit further, a little bit further with their processes when we are creating um some brand elements for them but some that i really think they may be small but very mighty um that are the really like startup entrepreneur businesses that have grown um uh, maybe under you know under 20 years under 10 years where they have um kind of thought this is a little too much for them obviously they're a startup there's a lot to invest up front But then showing them the long term. So sometimes folks can't, you know, when it comes down to, you know, the bottom line, like you said, they can't do that upfront investment cost. But when they think of the bigger picture, um, when they're sourcing, um, there's a few local products that we work with. I don't want to mention anybody directly by name, but there's a few case studies I can explain of. When they were starting to source ingredients for their, their, their products, um, they were just getting as much as possible for the lowest cost possible to create their product. It still tasted fine. It was good. Um, but they really were looking at that bottom line versus now getting them into the flow of we are in a great region in the South, North Carolina. There's a lot of great local fresh produce and fruit that's grown here and getting them into more of that local stream. So, sticker shop shop was huge upfront for that investment. But then as they got that into that flow of really sourcing local ingredients, they they found that their their product was better it was so much better um taste wise because you're getting a fresher ingredient versus something that's coming across the US. Um they're also supporting a local community and a local business, a local farmer. And they are kind of developing these synergies of this local economy, so they invest in a local business, you know accessing that local produce that farmer is able you know gets that capital and is able to also spend in the community so these companies have now grown and grown, they start to hire local folks um help those also farm, those farming industries grow as well, based on that, you know, produce that's doing really well locally. And then they're able to grow their business and take that model and just kind of ramp it up from there. So I don't know if that answers your full question, but that's kind of, I think just the getting them through that process. It it does take a little bit of, um, of legwork to do that, but, and the, when they get to know the farmers and the families and the people that are growing the food that's going into their product that they, you know, that their business, their baby and the product that they love, they just found these like synergies and it was so much more important for that, for the product itself. And that it, it, it all worked out at the end of the day of them making a profit on it. And it was so much better versus just using some other source that they would never even know who had grown that or, or, or you know the the chain of the the longer chain to access that versus just a smaller chain a local chain a food chain that they could have a better impact on
0: yeah do you see this continued continuing to evolve like the supply chain and and more folks buying into the hey let's take care of the planet mindset from a corporate standpoint um I, th- there, this is a two part question so i've been in this world in my in branded merchandise for 20 years when I first started here, you could barely find a ladies companion shirt, right? Like you, it was all men's apparel, yada, yada, yada. Well, more and more women entered the workforce, right? So the demand became there. And now you can barely find a shirt without a companion lady style. Um, we're seeing that happen too with green products. Uh, it's evolved over the past 20 years. It seems like prices have come down. It's, is that because of demand? Is that because more and more folks are are getting behind this concept? Um,
2: Absolutely, I definitely yeah. think so. People are you know they want somebody or they want to buy and or get products from people that are like minded and I think everybody thinks they're a conscious consumer. some more than others are actually doing it, but I think they you know as we've evolved and and over the past twenty years, people are more aware of whether they're where they're spending their dollars. Um, and they're willing to invest in that of in companies that are aligned, you know, with that like mindedness, and that they feel like it's doing good or giving back. Um, so I think the the increase has demand demanded prices to to drop on that. And then as well as, I mean, there's still a lot of stuff out there, and people still love a lot of free stuff when it comes to certain brands and merchandise. But companies are prob- you know, are also probably investing in better branded merchandise. And items to promote their businesses that are aligning with their values, too, as they're, you know, becoming more, you know, corporate social responsibility um, within their core of their business.
1: Yeah. I also think the quality of products, you know, we offer a lot of green products, a lot of sustainable products, products that are made made out of, you know, water bottles that are turned into a polo. Come check them out. You would actually be shocked at the quality of what that shirt Feels like it's not like 20 years ago, and you're like, I got my recycled T-shirt on. <laughs> yeah. Check this out, and and it doesn't feel that way. It's it's pretty amazing. Now, one thing that I wanted to chat with you about, you just mentioned um, uh, working with a, a local company and and getting them to to support you know local farms. We had uh, Zach uh, on our podcast from Carolina Farm Trust, and it was amazing what he's been able to do. And I think it's just fascinating because I, and this is a lesson, I think just in business in general, you can always be transactional. You can go and try to get the business. You can try to sell on price. But what you do is you go in there and you say, I'm going to challenge you, right? I'm going to show you, I'm going to educate you. And, and whether that client becomes your, your, your client or, or, or you work with them or not, you're, you're standing your ground, right? And you're saying, this is, this is what you can do. And this is the possibility. That's how you build a relationship that lasts forever right? You're going to educate them on something that they might not necessarily be ready to do. But then when they do it, they're like, wow, Rachel, like, I can't believe I we, we did this for 10 years. Like, I can't believe we didn't even think about this. And so I think that's just a huge kudos to you and your brand, because not only do you believe in it, but you're willing to step up to that plate with fortune 500 companies and say, listen, you can be better. I can show you that path, but you have to be open and willing to to accept that and, and invest in that. And that's tough to do. That is not conversations that anybody can do. Um, so I, I don't even have a question. I just think kudos to you for that because it's pretty awesome.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: What do you It see is as- a lot of hard work. It yeah. is,
2: but it it's definitely valuable. I think for anybody that knows, you know, either starting a business or running a business, anything that is worth it is going to be a lot of hard work at the end of the day
0: what have you seen from a silver lining perspective of of the pandemic in the past year um in your work and and how your clients are interacting has there been anything within the pandemic that has stimulated even more of the green conscious uh mindset that you're seeing in in your customers and what they're doing
2: absolutely i mean i think um the general public has seen. I mean, because people weren't commuting for a while, so you've seen, you know, the ozone starting to repair itself and air pollution started to de- decrease, and it was like Mother Earth was kind of healing herself while we were all in time out. All the bad humans, you know, from,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs>
2: we were all in time out. We were all stuck at home, and she, you know, she was just kind of healing herself. So there was a lot of positives of that aspect. But then also, I think a lot of people were reflecting at home a lot and with their families and values and started to really and and then also not knowing, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs and not knowing where the next paycheck was going to come from. So tightening up, you know, where they're doing their spending habits and being a little bit more mindful and conscious of where they're what they're buying and where they're buying. Um, so I think everybody became super, you know, sustainably minded in this past year. A lot of companies have launched. Um, a lot of the groups that I'm a part of have gotten membership increases that are trying to give back to environment, um, or becoming like certified B corporations for larger scale businesses. Um, consumers also saw, you know, between, um, the food chain breaking down and big plants that produce large amounts of either meat or milk or cheeses, um, contamination happening in there, which has always happened, but I think we're always so busy in our daily lives when there's a, you know, outbreak with romaine lettuce or something, you just kind of go on to the next thing that's in the grocery store shelf. But with the pandemic that happened, it would really cause, um, Supply issues when it came to food. So I think a lot of folks started to get out to their local farmers market and realizing local folks that were growing their own, the the ingredients that are made and grown locally. Um, so people started to be more aware of where their food was coming from and what they're purchasing. So absolutely the past year, I think has been this whole awakening with Mother Earth, you know, healing herself, but then also, um, people in general. Um, being more aware of where their food or food is coming from, the purchases that they make. Do they really need all this stuff? Um, I mean, maybe for their life, I think a lot of people probably invest in their homes a lot more over the past year, but I think they were probably more mindful of and conscious of what they were purchasing in their day to day life. That's um, so I think that's a positive for the sustain, I mean, sustainable businesses have thrived over the past year. Or so and, and blossomed out of people really kind of reshifting their mindset. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs have also come out of this as well.
0: That's interesting, you know, and folks have just been outdoors more, uh, enjoying yeah. the parks, enjoying a hike, uh, getting mm-hmm. outside fishing, hunting, whatever it is. And I think you can look at the data and see that all that's grown throughout the pandemic and maybe that helps make them more aware of of what's out there as well, right? It's not just yeah. back and Absolutely. forth to work every day, and, you know, in the yeah. rat race. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that.
1: It's also interesting when we talk with clients, um, you know, our goal and not every single thing that we sell is sustainable, but we try to push people that direction because the reality is anything we sell must be a functional item that's going to stay around. That's going to be something that people use. Me and Scott have this conversation all the time and our team does. If a client reaches out and they want a product that we don't think is going to be used or is going to go in the trash, we're going to tell you that. Like there's no sense in putting your logo on anything that isn't going to stay around. And right now you have the ability to not only put your logo on great products but put your logo on products that are sustainable. put your logo on brand new ideas and things that will actually create conversation and will be ideas and gifts that people really like. and I love that that you have that approach approach. So Rachel, tell us right now if, if there are you know listeners, business owners that are are listening to this podcast and, and they're excited about what you do but they don't really know where to start. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, what type of client are you, are you after? And, and if, if you could speak to that ideal client that would reach out to you and say, hey, we're a perfect fit, what would that look like?
2: We work with uh, clients of all shapes and sizes, uh, from startup ventures to Fortune 500 companies, um, ones that are focused on kind of natural, organic, fair trade, sustainable. And our niche is kind of going into, you know, food and beverage, agriculture, farming, health and wellness and sustainability. So we work with, you know, folks that are small package goods, makers that have started in their kitchens that now have million dollar businesses and manufacturing companies, um, all the way to, you know, adaptive reuse space and helping brand that and communicate that and reusing space and placemaking for people to come um, and versus tearing something down. So we kind of do the whole gamut, but food and beverage, agriculture, wellness, um, and sustainability minded. Um, but we can also educate on that as well to try to integrate that into business models.
1: I feel like Rachel needs to have her own podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Have. So, <laughs> you're,
2: just, you're, you're very you're kind. It's a wealth
0: yeah. of information. It yeah, is. for sure. Yeah. and It's a very interesting topic and obviously a hot topic. It seems to get warmer and warmer every year. And uh, we all need to be aware right mm-hmm. we just did
1: i agree i and i think it's it's neat when you go into like even just a, a a regular apparel company go look at any apparel companies now that are creating product and i will bet you that 20 to 25% of their business if not more is is starting to be sustainable. They're starting to to really market around that. And they're not just marketing around that because they want to make a difference, right? They're marketing around that because that's what the client demands. And if you have a business and you're not thinking about this, then there're there's going to be a business that comes in that does and they're going to take your market share very quickly. So, you know, in the year of 2021, like I said, I never thought I'd have to have a conversation with a friend on why you don't have a recycling bin, but there are still people out there that that think like that. But I think the majority of people are starting to realize the true impact that we can have. And everybody's got to do their part. That's the hard part. Like not one person, you know, Rachel can't change the world by herself, right? Like we all got to do our own part. And, and uh, I think that's fascinating, but I think it is all about education. And I think that's exactly what you do over at Mindful and Good. So that's so cool. Before we, we let you go, what's the best way for people to get in touch with your brand, get in touch with you? Uh, about potentially working with you, or if they just want to look at what you've done and, and, and check out your portfolio and see some of the cool projects that you've worked on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. They can go to mindfulandgood.com, um, look at our website there and our work and reach out to us through the contact page there or com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram.
1: I love it. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for for joining us. Thank you for for doing what you do we we love the opportunity to bring on people and and listen to their stories and it's so fascinating to see that you started this company 21 years ago like i said that i'm not saying that recycling wasn't around And I'm not saying that sustainable wasn't around because it was, and it's always been that way, but you've really been part of the growth of that. And I think it's all about education. And if you can educate Fortune 500 companies to do this, then you should be able to educate anybody to be able to do it. Um, So just thank you for what you do. I I think it's fun to share stories that you you can see how passionate you are around it, but everything you do not only helps the growth of business, but it helps the, the, the earth as well. And I think that's a pretty freaking awesome combo. Absolutely.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. Absolutely certainly enjoyed it. Absolutely. And if you are listening, please like, share, comment. Go check out uh, Rachel. Um, connect with her on LinkedIn. Go check out their website. Like I said, they have amazing products, amazing you know projects. We're honored to be able to work with her and uh, and and create some sustainable products for them as well, specifically regarding to some of the brands that they work with, so that's always fun. And like I said, it's always educational, which I think is just a bonus point for me. I get to learn and do work at the same time, which is pretty awesome. So um, again, thank you, Rachel. Uh, Until next time, you have been listening to this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast.
0: You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group, with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.